0: Hey, I'm Caroline, and you're listening to In Her Nature, the podcast and community where you can learn from others' experiences to make your next adventure more approachable. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. It's all about trail running, which I'm really excited about. It's a topic that's very near and dear to my heart. It can be a sport that seems really intimidating. There are a lot of variables at play, especially if you aren't a runner. It seems like maybe something that Seems like a hard hurdle to get over, but I think this week's episode breaks down a lot of those what ifs into things that seem less scary, and that way you can kind of get out and try it for the first time. A lot of people associate trail running with ultra running or doing distances that are longer than a marathon. We talked today about how those are not necessarily the same thing. Another great thing I wanted to point out to everyone before we jumped into our interview is if you're looking to run with a group of women, there's this really cool community called Trail Sisters. And they usually have Facebook groups in different areas of the country where people will post like new runs or run meetups for the weekend. And it's a really good community of... People that identify as women that come together and run trails so not only is it a good way to meet people it's also a good way to find trails to run because I remember that was something I really struggled with when I first got into trail running one thing that I did we didn't really talk about this in the episode but to learn trails in my area i joined like a trail race series so one race every month in wisconsin that's called golden kettle that was the series i joined that was awesome because the trails were already laid out for me and i just had to like show up and follow the course and then now i have that in my back pocket if i'm ever in that area i can Pop over that course. It exposed me to a lot of different trail systems, and it was just really cool. So maybe look in your area and see if there's something that's not a crazy long distance. Um, Golden Kettle was really cool because you have different distances you can pick day of. So it's like a small, medium, large option. <laughs> the large tends to be like I don't know between 10 and 14 miles, and then the small tends to be like between two and five miles, and then medium is somewhere in between. But anyway, you should look and see if there's something like that in your area. I would love to have the race director of Golden Kettle on at some point. We can chat about just getting into races. But in terms of trail running, that can look like finding a really local trail in your backyard or something that's just very accessible. That is trail running, which is really cool about the sport. If you are inspired to go on a trail run after this, which I hope you are, post it and tag us in it. We would love to see how In Her Nature is. Making the outdoors more approachable for you. And if it's not trail running, maybe it's your first time getting in the pool after a really long hiatus, or you finding the joy in the jog and not wearing a watch on your run, or you name the thing, getting in the climbing gym for the first time. Let us know about it. Post it, tag us. We want to see how IHN is helping you get outside or just change up how you do your activities day to day. That brings us a lot of joy. Last thing, if you love this episode, send it to a friend who you think will love it too. That would make us really happy and get stoked on this episode. Without further ado, I have Katie on the show today. We talk about trail running. She's a really awesome human who is out of Boulder, Colorado. I know she's moving to start grad school shortly, which is so cool. But I met Katie when I was studying abroad in Denmark and we met at the climbing gym actually. And I found out later on that we were both come from a background of running, which was really unique. So I hope you folks enjoy the episode today. If you have any questions or want to get in contact with us, you can reach us at in Her Nature Pod. Um, on social media or inhernaturepod at gmail.com. Thanks so much and enjoy the episode. Katie, okay, I'm so excited to talk to you today. It's been a while since we've chatted. We met in Denmark studying abroad, which is just so cool and feels like a long time ago. But i um, I want updates. Like, how are you? Where are you at? Like both career-wise but also adventure-wise. Can you fill us in a little bit on where you're at? Yeah.
1: Hello. Thank you for having me. Um yeah, it's been a long time since we've seen each other in person. So it's really fun to reconnect. Um yes. yeah, I think we both just like kind of had big life changes since we last saw each other. For me, I've been working in healthcare for a while. I've been at Planned Parenthood and working as a medical assistant and recently got trained in ultrasounds as well. So now ultrasonographer. Um, that's so
0: badass. Oh my God.
1: (laughs) It's been really fun. It's been cool to learn. Um, also very full on. I've been working full time and also have been applying to nursing school and taking, um, some prereq classes just to make that happen. So currently I'm in three prereq classes and was also working full time while trying to like run and get my dog out for walks. And it was just too much. I was kind of burning out on all sides. So I just dropped back to part-time in my job, which is really good. Um, Now I have time to actually get my schoolwork done and not feel like I have zero free time. And um. Yeah, so that's mostly what I've been doing, but I've been living in Boulder, Colorado, which is, I've been feeling really lucky to live here because I um, have trails pretty nearby and I'm able to get outside easily and um, yeah, just a huge privilege, but I'll be moving to Portland, Oregon in a few weeks to months um, to start school, so everything's about to change pretty dramatically and I think that's exciting and daunting at the same time.
0: Oh, totally. I so relate to the just, like, when you just described the, like, taking class, working full time, and also trying to be, like, a human, that just brought me back so hardcore to my, like, dental, like, while I was playing to dental school, too, like, I was yeah. working night shift in a research lab, taking three classes, like, trying to, like, get out while I could, but also, like, not be nocturnal, so I, it is such a hard balance, I give you so much credit, because it's just, like, it will be worth it, I promise, but it's just such a grind while you're in it, so yeah. you're almost to, like, the good part, you know, where you can start seeing your, like, hard work pay off. Totally. Thank you. Yeah, I
1: feel validated. Um, <laughs> yeah, I also want to say that, I don't know, I feel like being insanely busy can be kind of glorified, and being on the side of that that doesn't leave a lot of room for, like, balance or mental health, Um it's it's okay to also step back when you realize that there's too much going on and make time for just yourself to be a human. So I'm trying I to like, focus on that and remember that, but it's it's hard for my overachieving brain to remember sometimes. <laughs>
0: totally. I you couldn't have said it better. It's something I'm trying to learn right now like and all everything we're saying comes with such privilege, so I acknowledge that too like we're talking about things that I mean we like we have the time and space to do this. We don't have to work um, we yeah. come from backgrounds where like we have like a safety net and stuff like that I so want to acknowledge that before we jump into things I had just realized that I need to rest and it came in such a dramatic form like I was supposed to go on this ski trip with friends and it just like did not work out you know and it just like isn't clicking yeah. and we were just like let's just pull the plug it's no worries like it will be fine my little heart was just so crushed but it will be fine everything's good so I went to like I went to go visit my parents it was just like such a restful time and so that filled me up so much more than I think my ski trip would have because I came back to school and just like was practicing a lot better on stuff and just could notice that I have more bandwidth so sometimes you just have seasons where you're like I need to just emphasize rest and that's totally fine so yeah beautifully said That
1: you were able to realize that and prioritize
0: it yeah it's important It's a bad skill or bad lesson to learn, I will say. So if you can prevent it from happening, I think that's the most sustainable approach. But okay, today we're talking about like a thing that is so near and dear to my heart. I think it's very near and dear to your heart, which is trail running, which can be an intimidating, like community and area to break into, especially if you don't have a running background, because like people who run ultras and do all this stuff i mean it's like the most extreme end of one sport but i do want to talk about the a little bit more like approachable side of the sport which is maybe the sub ultra distance and just transitioning yeah. into trail running so could you just like you do so many badass things like you ski you gravel bike you do like all this stuff can you kind of like fill us in on what brings you back to running and like how you got into trail running yeah
1: i well i got into trail running honestly when i was pretty young um my my mom really liked trail running and I would go out with her when like before high school even like in middle school we would just kind of go casually out for just like bring the dog out to the trails and it kind of transitioned from hikes to jogs and I have a lot of really fond memories and also memories of like running up a hill too fast and then just like sitting down and hyperventilating and like <laughs> refusing to go any farther so um, there are always the challenges in trail running but um I think for me what always brings me back is just the simplicity of it the the fact that you don't need to have like a functional bike you don't need to have a lot of gear um yeah and i mean for me that's just running in general like trail running is amazing because you have the added component of like being outside in a place surrounded by nature, but that's not always the most accessible form of running for everyone. I realize, like living in a city or, um, living in a neighborhood that's far from trails and even just like getting outside and running in any way, shape or form, just feels like a massive mental health boost to me. And I always feel like way more refreshed after I go for a run. Um, and yeah, it's been fun to dabble in other sports, mostly as a means of making sure that I'm still healthy and running, like adding biking in just because I'm an injury prone person and <laughs> totally. Need to totally not be always pounding on my feet. Um, and adding skiing in is a way to get outside when it's really snowy out in the winter. But um, yeah, trail running is at at its core really where my heart is and probably will continue to be that way for the rest of my life.
0: Yeah, I totally relate to that. And the injury prone thing too, like I've started mixing in a lot more cross training because I just so desperately want to stay healthy. Like my goal this year is just to stay healthy. I think that's my biggest goal. It's hard too, because when you start feeling good with running, you just want to do more of it. And I do think there's like a neurochemical response to that. Like we're releasing a lot of neurotransmitters that our brain wants and likes, and then you want to do more of it. I think there's a basis that and then also just like the way your body feels I don't know it's very freeing sometimes also can feel really horrible so we'll talk about that later (laughs) it's not all good but I definitely feel that on the injury prevention and just living like an active life sometimes like runners are not the most healthy honestly like I know a lot of runners that are not necessarily the healthiest so I love that I love your background because I feel very similar to the sport could you kind of like help us understand maybe the differences between road running and trail running and how they kind of like interconnect with each other
1: yeah I mean there's they're super related in a lot of ways I think that I mean if you're like getting into running for the first time road running is a really great way to start because they're just it's it's a little easier to physically do the activity like trail running can feel really daunting with like hills and uh technicality and like rocks to navigate and stuff <laughs> um but i mean there's a lot of research that supports that flat road running does really help with trail running in terms of like fitness and feeling strong transferring those activities and i think it's not like a perfect transfer but um i, I think you have to kind of reframe trail running in your mind a little bit from road running like at least for me, I think when I was in high school and like on a cross country team, I would have a concept in my head of like, this is how fast I should run my like six mile run. And this is how it should, this is like how much time it should take. And this is how it should feel. And those just all completely go out the window when you step onto trails, because you just can't expect yourself to be running in the same way. You have to think about walking and like, that's totally, you're still out for a run, but you're going to be walking parts of it and that's okay. Um, and, um, it's just a bit of a different activity and like a three mile run may feel like straightforward on the roads, but on trails, it's going it to, might take twice as long and feel twice as hard. And that can feel kind of daunting at first, but also, um, as you get more comfortable and used to it, it's like just a fun way to be outside in the world for a little longer if you have the time for that. And that can be yeah. magical.
0: I think that's so well said and I love I think for me personally trail running was a way to like lessen the expectations of myself that I had on the road yeah um and I acknowledge that like not everyone has that like if you are in a professional lens or like at the upper tier of trail running there's probably a ton of expectations on you too but which I could not fathom upholding in the trails but (laughs) um I will say I think if you do come from like like Katie and I both come from a competitive running background, especially at a really young age, where sometimes you instill these, like, not the healthiest um, things in the sport. And we we did do a whole episode on, like, building a healthy relationship with running. But that, I think, is the key to having sustainability in the sport, is, like, building a healthy relationship. So for me, trail running was a way of being, like, okay, my road background is its own thing. My cross-country background is its own thing. Like, divide. Now we're trail running, and there's no expectations. Yeah. so I think that's so well said. I think one thing that I really struggle with with trail running is all the variables that are thrown your way, right? Like terrain is different. Every mile is different. How do you like mentally wrap your brain around like the feedback that your watch gives you? First off, do you run with a watch on the trails?
1: Yeah, I do run with a watch. Um, but I, I've i set the watch so that I actually don't see my distance or pace, Um at least on a, on like the main screen of my watch while I'm out there, I have like a little like map that's on my watch and all this, it's doesn't really mean anything to me. It's yeah. just kind of like a way to block out the data. And I've found that is a really helpful way to be able to be a little bit more present during my runs and less focused on the metrics. Um, and then if, of course, I'm, like, how far into this run am I? I can, I can like, scroll down and, like, see yeah. my distance or my pace if I really feel like I want to. But that way it, like, prevents me from just kind of mindlessly checking it all the time.
0: Yeah, um, I love I that idea. That is such a good idea.
1: Yeah, because otherwise it can feel kind of daunting. And I think that, similar to what you were saying, like, with the competitive, like, background in running, I think when I was first getting into more recreational running, like realizing that I wanted to do it for myself, not for the purpose of competing or for a team or whatever. um, I expected myself to be doing runs at the same pace that I had done them in the past and then would just be like working myself on every single run and feeling terrible. And so trail running is a really awesome way to reframe that because you physically can't run those same paces. And if you just like can get your brain to ignore the metrics a little bit, it can be, so much more enjoyable and easier to be present in the trails and um, honestly easier to like navigate all the technical terrain too because you're just like calm down enough that you can pay attention to your body and its feedback with um, the
0: trails. I love that and I didn't really like process that before but I do think when I run, my sympathetic nervous system gets really activated, I think, like just naturally based on the yeah. like years of just that happening. And so I do ignore like my body's feedback and I tend to get injured more because I'll push through things that I am not noticing versus trails. You have to be so present because or else you're going to fall like flat on your face. I know one thing I really struggle with is vertical. Incorporating that variable into my training has been really difficult because it's hard to replicate outside of trail running, but it is such a mm-hmm. crucial piece. How do you kind of think about vertical? Like, does it change your training? How do, I don't know. Can we just talk through that because I personally yeah. need to.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, I think it's that's like the biggest, hardest part of trail running because a lot of road runs won't have that much vert, and then you switch to trail,
0: and you're like, why is this so steep and so yeah. hard? <laughs> Can you, before we jump into it, I realized I assumed what people know what vertical is. Do you feel comfortable explaining it, like yeah. briefly? Okay.
1: Yeah, it's basically just like you have a hill in front of you how many vertical feet are you gaining in that hill? Um, so yep. instead of just running on flat ground, you're also running up and then also down, um, which can be challenging also. And I think is not really acknowledged as much. Um, totally. And um, it just changes pace pretty substantially. You can't just run up a hill at the same pace that you would casually be right. jogging around on the flats. Um, right. And I think just really acknowledging that is super important. And Um, It does kind of feel like a different skill in some levels. Like it really gets your legs and heart going in a way that um, they might not be activated on the flats. Um, And yeah, I think that transitioning from it's, it's hardest when like, if you don't live near trails and you're doing most of your runs on flats, then it can feel especially daunting to go to trails that have a lot of vert. And I think the most important part is just the mental reframing with that just like it's okay to walk the ups like you're going to get the same training stimulus from walking a steep uphill that you would from running 8 minute per mile pace on the flats in some cases and like totally um and I mean it's also not all about the training stimulus just like listening to your body and what it's telling you in those moments and then like as you do more and more hills you probably will see some changes in the way your body responds to them which is kind of exciting and can feel empowering if you're able to to run some hills on a regular basis and um, just noticing that you'll go from like this is a hill that I would normally walk to then like now I run half of it and walk the second half or like now I run almost all of it um and there also doesn't need to be that progression but if that feels like something that's exciting to be like pushing on hills sometimes um they're a great way to like add in intensity without necessarily adding in changes in pace. I think for me I'll like I I walk a lot of the hills around here like some of them are really steep yes. there's a mountain that's right outside my house that like literally I, if anyone were to run it, I would be so impressed because <laughs> I, I will walk it and will be panting so hard like 180 heart rate like yes yes yeah. so just, like totally different
0: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, totally. And I think um, there's two, I mean, that was so well said. I think there's two bits to it that I think we can really tap into is like looking at heart rate, and how maybe sometimes heart rate is a good metric to go off of, because it really does give yourself real time feedback on how your body is feeling, not Mm -hmm. what you're accomplishing. And then I also think the downhill. So I think, oh, yeah. Those both are like huge. I want to briefly talk about the downhill. I really struggle because all my training basically. So I kind of like look at just to back up a little bit. I look at training for longer stuff. I try to do kind of my first block of training on roads to build up that aerobic capacity and make sure I like have the basis to it. And then I kind of transition over to trail at the end of it because A, the access for me is really hard and I need to be in school and studying and I can't be driving to trails all the time. But The other reason is because I don't want to, like, overload my body with too many variables at once. So, like, progressing in miles and then kind of, like, replicating that on trails is what I tend to do. So, anyway, long story short, I went for a training run on Sunday. We did over 2,000 vert, and that was, like, my opening uh, run on trails for the season. And, like, my legs were beyond trashed at the end of that. Like, way more than I expected them to be. Uphills can be its own thing, and then downhills can trash your legs just as much as the uphill can.
1: Yeah. Downhills, you have the like eccentric muscle contractions that are basically just tearing up your quads. Um, right. And plus the technicality component of downhills can be really challenging too. Like you have to put the brakes on a little bit more if there are just a ton of rocks and that puts added stress on your on your legs. And um, I think also downhills can have a pretty big mental component of like feel at least for me I'm a very cautious runner and a cautious person in general and have a hard time like unclenching myself on the downhill so that I can actually flow and that like being able to relax a little bit more into the downhills does mean that your body's under less strain but it also is really hard for me mentally to be able to do that so that's something that I'm working on on a regular basis and I think honestly it just takes a lot of practice which is one of the hard and frustrating things, especially when trails aren't always easily accessible, especially Verde trails. Um, but um, yeah, I think that the more you do it, the more your body will just adapt to yeah. those stressors and the amount of soreness that you feel will just decrease every time. And it's, it's hard cause it's you're probably going to be sore again next time, but just a little less than this time. And then again, the next time, but it's just, it gets progressively easier and better. Yeah. Um, with with just, like, practicing
0: it over and over again. No, totally. I think the consistency, I mean, we've said it a million times, but, like, it does really make a difference. And I think it's a weird thing to practice downhills because you can get on, like, a Stairmaster at the gym and do practice uphills, but, like, there's really not a great way to practice downhills. And I do think you're stressing connective tissue, which responds differently than, like, muscle groups will respond to. So I think when you're first starting out, just be cognizant of the downhill because sometimes it can get you more than the uphill can at least for me personally
1: yeah i ran my first marathon in 2019 and it was a pretty verde like it was just ha- like rolling dirt roads essentially that had it had one steep climb that went up for like six miles and then you basically went down it and yeah. i was fine on the uphill but then at the bottom of the downhill i literally felt like i could not move my body anymore yeah. i was completely destroyed and that was the first time that I really connected the dots that like the downhill is actually one of the hardest parts of trail running. Especially if you're going for a longer time and the just like repeated over and over um, muscle contractions in your quads will just like tear them up after, after a while. And it's okay. Your body is totally resilient and will come back from that. And it's not really like, I mean, it's just something that you have to get used to, and it's hard to remember to train that. I think, especially because in my mind, often I'll be like, "Okay, the downhill is a break. Now I get to rest. I've done my uphill. Um, That was hard. Now I don't have to be panting anymore." Um, (laughs) But it's it's just a different stimulus, and I think also I'll often structure my runs where I'll like go up the steep technical way, steep technical way, and then down like a really smooth, cruisy way because that's just a much like flowier way to do the run but that actually can sometimes be a bit of a mistake because then I'm not practicing steep technical downhills I'm just practicing the like really easy cruisy ones um I yeah. don't have as much uh, that don't place as much demand on my legs and then I'll get into a race setting with steeper downhills and I just, my
0: body won't really know how to handle it. I mean, there's like so much to this that I could talk about forever. I, I do want to preface Katie and I are kind of running nerds, so we can kind yeah, of talk it's about true. this forever, <laughs> but um, this is really interesting you bring this up. So I was talking to someone and the style of trail running can really differ based on where you are trail running. So like geographic yeah. locations in the U S or wherever you are, um like out west a lot of times you have like a summit point so you're like going uphill for a long time and you might be walk like I personally walk all my uphills like every yeah. time my foot goes up I'm walking that's just like what an old guy told me at a training run and it works yeah. so that's, that's what amazing. I do um so like there's a summit point and then you come down so you're doing all the uphill ish and then you're doing all the downhill ish um yeah. What's really interesting is in the Midwest, we don't have summit points like that. So our trails are made by, and I'm getting a little bit techie here, but it's an interesting difference, I think. So here, a lot of the areas are made by glaciers or glaciated, like, landscapes. So we don't have summit points like a mountain you would go up. It's just rolling kettles. So it's like the landscape has been shifted by, like, the ice age and all this stuff. So we don't have, like, a specific point that we reach. But our runs are, like, really are the trails we run a lot of times are steep, I guess is what I'm saying, but they're not a lot at once, but it's like a sharp hill. Like that's how I refer to them. They're very sharp and they're like relentless. Like you're doing this uphill, downhill cycle instead of uphill, pause, downhill. So I think Mm -hmm. if you are planning on running in a certain area, just be cognizant of that, the fact that your body may respond differently based on like the stress. And I think that's a simple point to make, but it's interesting that like it can change so much.
1: Totally. Yeah, that's so true. And also cool to learn about the landscape. Yeah, and totally. Yeah, no, rolling hills will get you in, in a sneaky way. Yeah. Oh, it sneaky may not, way. Yeah, like it may not have like a big obvious climb when you're looking at like the elevation profile, but right. but it adds up for sure.
0: Okay, amazing. We mentioned walking the uphills. I think when you're first starting, that's kind of a big key is like you don't yeah. need, sometimes walking uphill is more efficient than running it. What are your thoughts um, I don't know that whole sphere.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that my, it, it depends for me. Like, I'll go out running with my partner, and he is way more of a walker than I am in terms of like how his body feels while doing that activity. And we'll be going side by side at the same pace. He'll be walking, right. and I'll just be like shuffle jogging next to him. Totally. <laughs> and for me, for whatever reason, that feels better on my legs than the like power walking feeling um but it just also depends on the actual trail and terrain for me like if it's totally. like a lower angle and like l- less technical then I'll be more likely to like be shuffling it versus if it's steeper or uh rockier then I'm probably just going to walk it and there's no value judgment to either one like it's just a different totally. it's just listening to your body and how it feels in terms of like how often you're able to get out there how um comfortable you get with the trails how comfortable you feel pushing your body's limits in that moment if that feels fun versus stressful and unfun
0: um totally but a big fan of walking the uphills. huge big thumbs up to that (laughs) huge fan I think it's funny because if you come from like maybe a little bit more competitive background you look down on walking when you're running like you're like running is my activity I'm running and then you're like actually no like walking can be a more efficient way to run longer totally Yeah. And you
1: feel better for a longer period of time and you can have a longer day out there without totally
0: crashing. And Katie, do you like incorporate heart rate training at all in your trail running? I don't actually, I just, I don't
1: have a, I don't have a proper heart rate monitor. I just have my watch, which does heart rate with some degree of accuracy. Sometimes it's not always consistent. It depends on the activity. Sometimes it'll be a little off, um, but honestly, I do most of my training based on perceived exertion, just like how it's feeling. And um, I'll back off if it's feeling super crazy hard. I'll sometimes add intensity if I'm feeling really good. Um, yeah. yeah. And that's, I mean, I there's a lot of value to heart rate training. So I don't mean to discount that at all. It's no. something that I haven't really put a lot of energy into sometimes because I get overwhelmed by data and having more data points for me can sometimes take me out of
0: my ability to enjoy the sport. Yeah, I love that. And I think perceived exertion. So you said it really well, but it's just essentially like understanding how your body is feeling. So it's just a technical term for kind of reflecting back on how you feel. Um, it's I think it's one of the harder things to do in the sport because it's hard to do it accurately. Um, yeah, it's true. So I give you a lot of credit because you made it sound simple, but I think it's easy to kind of incorporate your own bias on how your body feels yeah um can you speak on that at all like
1: yeah yeah I think I'll talk myself into running harder than I should be running often just by being like eh I feel pretty okay today and I'm just gonna push it even if it's like an easy run day and I should actually just be chilling um so I think um that you have to build in a layer of self-accountability that can be really hard with um, yeah. trying to assess your own perceived exertion. And um I, I do have a running coach, which is helpful. She'll sometimes call me out on like if if she'll look at my heart rate sometimes. And if all of a sudden my heart rate is like averaging 160 on an easy run day, she'll be like, Hey Katie, maybe this wasn't an easy run. <laughs> um which I appreciate and I also totally realize that not everyone has access to a coach so that's it's I would say it's definitely not necessary like it can be super helpful and there's a lot of value to it but um it's something that you can build in yourself um in terms of of just like getting used to listening to your body and its needs and I think if you are pushing yourself more than your body wants you to be pushing on an ongoing basis, your body will start to tell you that, like you'll start to feel little pains here and there, or you'll just be super slow, like super sluggish and just exhausted and not feeling able to like enjoy running. And sometimes that's a, that's a reminder that like maybe you need to be cool in it a little bit more. Um, so just kind of your body has these built-in checks and balances that, will eventually make themselves known if um, if your training intensity isn't really like, if if
0: you're not being honest with your own training intensity. I think that's, I'm struggling with that so much right now. And like like I said, the past three days, I've been feeling like so sluggish. I want to talk about your coaching and when you decided. First off, who are you comfortable saying who your coach yeah, is? Yeah.
1: yeah, my coach is Keeley Henninger. Oh, um, I just
0: listened to a podcast with her on it yesterday. I listened to Trail Society, which she's on. Okay, yeah yeah um He's awesome. that's so sick um when did you decide to like invest in a coach um
1: I guess I started I had I had my first running coach well I guess running coach beyond like high school athletics um like personal running coach uh two years ago for the first time and worked with them for like eight months or so and it was really lovely um but I got injured and was just like taking a long time to get back from that injury and it was just taking a while to heal and it felt like too much pressure to have a coach like giving me a plan every day after a certain amount of time of just like twiddling my thumbs with this injury and like yeah I didn't have time to be biking every day because biking takes longer than running. And I was working full time and had a dog that normally I would take running with me, but now had to walk separately from biking. And like the whole thing just was too much for me. And so I had, I stopped coaching with them just because I was like exhausted and needed to like literally just not exercise for a little bit and feel okay about that, which I think that if I were to do it again, had I been a little more upfront about how I was feeling and like navigated that relationship a little bit better. I think they would have understood that and been okay with me taking some time and we could have continued, but I just didn't, it was my first time being coached. I didn't really know how to navigate that um, and those complex feelings. And I think I learned a lot from it. Um, And then I just started with Keely again in like February, maybe. Okay. Um, Yeah. And she's just so awesome. I have actually been injured for a lot of this time that I've been with her and she's just been really supportive in terms of, like, allowing me a lot of flexibility, but also giving me, like, great constructive ideas for how to how to work through injury and um, how to kind of build more resiliency into my running in general.
0: I just think if you are really busy and, like, it's just another thing out of, like, your energy store to, like, train for things, like, figure out the training, a coach might totally. be a really great option, especially if... I don't know. I think sometimes there's a misconception that like you have to be good enough to have a coach. That's at least how my brain works. Cause I'm like, what's my return on the investment? You know, stupid, like mm-hmm. very totally traditional way of thinking about things. But I think even if you are starting to get into it and you're like, I, I really do like this, but I just I need some help. I think a coach might be, if you have the resources, a coach might be a really good investment long term because you'll build these healthy relationships, hopefully with running that will last a lot longer than if you have to make the mistake yourself and like relearn it, I guess.
1: Yeah, totally. I really second that. And for me, like, I had various running goals that I was hoping to push towards and trying to create training for myself felt like a lot of uh, mental space that it was taking up, like on a daily basis, getting up, deciding what run to do, how it was going to be a helpful stimulus. If so, like, It was just too much for me. And so that's where having a coach has been really helpful. Plus also like having some accountability with things like strength training that I am terrible at doing on my own. And so having someone be like, hey, this is actually going to be helpful for you. And let's put in a little
0: box for you to check to state that you did it has been good. Um, oh I need I think this is going to be an investment I need to maybe pursue because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you just like named all the stuff that I'm like oh yes that's like exactly what I want off my plate so anyway we could talk about that that might be like a little bit higher level but if you're kind of getting into it and you're just like I don't even know where to start like it could be really good yeah option and, two.
1: yeah and one step down from that um is just like online training plans which often you can totally. find for free um so a much lower cost way to have some structure and not have to make any day-to-day decisions. If you can find a training plan yeah. that you feel like fits you really well, which on the internet, they exist like across all all levels and spectrums and distances. Like there are totally. training plans out there for people for getting into running for their very first time ever and training for a 5k, Um, people getting into running training for a 50k, like Really anything you might want exists out on the yeah. internet and it's yeah it could be a fun resource. It would just be about like finding a resource that you trust. And totally um, sometimes that takes a little bit of research, but
0: yeah, yeah like, worth it to look into. Yeah, totally. And I think at a financial perspective, it might be a good option. I know I got a really good one. You mm-hmm. let me borrow some access to things and <laughs> I got a really good, <laughs> and I got a really good one. It was like a beginner 50K thing. The one thing I will Thank say you. just be mindful of if you are doing a trail race, try to find a trail specific training plan that maybe incorporates like some aspects of trail running that like road running might not have. So like if you're, if you get a marathon one and you're running a trail marathon, maybe like try to find something that's trail oriented. Cause it may, I don't know, just road marathons scare me because they're just fat, like fast and just scary. <laughs> and a trail marathon is like completely different.
1: Totally. I agree. And also just with with training for a trail race acknowledging that your mileage might actually be lower than if you were training for a road marathon versus trail marathon because your mile your miles are going to take you longer on trails they're going to be like more of a stimulus sometimes and um it's okay to listen to your body and just do whatever mileage feels good on your body and even with following an online training plan like they still have malleability like it it can yes. be what you make out of it like if you need to adjust the training plan that's totally fine i think sometimes i get stuck in rigid thinking where i'll like have a plan ahead of me and I've actually done this with coaching before too where I'll be like this is what's scheduled today and I must complete it (laughs) even if my body actually feels like trash and then I complete it and then I end up getting injured so like yeah it's the hard balance of like structure being helpful but it doesn't take away your need to listen to your body totally like
0: you get into robot mode and then you're just like yeah must complete activity now and then exactly so true. Yeah, at least for
1: me, I have this like I don't know, like high achieving student mentality where I'm like, I was given this plan and I must execute (laughs) it. And that's just not
0: how running works at all. So just like reframing. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I could second this like times a million. It's not even funny. Yeah. And like honestly, sometimes you need to put a little compartment in your brain that's like I'm not a student. I'm actually human. It's okay to just like not do everything to the most ideal standard. Like this is the human side of me, not the clinical. I I really struggle with this and we can get into it so hardcore about like the clinical side or the career side and then like the human side. And obviously we're human at all points in time, but just you're doing this for yourself at this point in our lives. Like we're really probably not pursuing like career oriented things in trail running. And if you are, that's so amazing. But like, Just remembering why you're doing it and that it's okay to have flexibility. I think that's such a huge point and something I really struggle with. This is a little bit off kilter what we've been talking about, but it is something that is really important as you start to do more trail running is nutrition. But I think it can be very convoluted for someone that maybe a doesn't have an endurance background and B is like literally what are all these options. So, there's not a lot of gear in trail running. It's a huge mental sport. But one thing that is in my mind, a piece of gear is the nutrition you bring along.
1: Um, Totally. And can get expensive like gear.
0: How do you kind of look at nutrition and hydration and what's your journey with it? What's worked? What hasn't? What have you learned?
1: Yeah, I have come a long way in this category. (laughs) I'm sure you have too. But I think, (laughs) yeah, in high school, we would just go for long runs on the weekends. And my coach would literally tell us that if we were feeling hungry or thirsty that meant that we hadn't done a good enough job of like hydrating at baseline and we shouldn't ever be feeling any of those cues which I just look back on that and I'm like what the heck like that's so toxic
0: so So toxic toxic.
1: yeah and like we would go for a 14 mile run and not bring anything like not bring a water bottle not bring a gel or a cliff bar nothing like Yeah. And I look back on that and I'm like, wow, I regret that a lot because I'm sure that that contributed to me getting a stress fracture in high school. And like the way that (sighs) nutrition impacts like your hormonal regulation and your bone density and how, especially during times like high school, those are really critical periods in your body's development. And if you're not fueling yourself adequately during exercise, that can have some downstream effects that are pretty unfortunate. Yeah. So Yeah, I've definitely learned a lot since then. Honestly, I didn't really learn about running and like fueling during running until I trained for my first marathon at the end of college. Like it took me years to actually figure out that nutrition was a thing that I needed to be focusing on. Um, And then it was even still a slow process of like learning how to take foods in during running and like my stomach doesn't always... Love having food in it when I'm running because I have a very sensitive GI system. So just having to actually train my stomach, which is something that I didn't realize was a part of trail running and running longer distances. Like your body might not at first be cool with taking in calories, but it's a really important thing to train. And honestly, if it means that you have to like slow down your runs a little bit to make it happen, that's really worth it in the long time. And your body will get better at it as you as you practice it. Um, And also just like kind of playing with the types of foods that you're taking in while running like for me my body doesn't love like super solid foods it really just needs like easy carbohydrates like a gel or for me I really love um, scratch liquid nutrition I'll just pop a scoop of scratch into each of my um, like water bottles when I'm running and um, then we'll drink that and that's a helpful way to be hydrating getting electrolytes and getting some calories in while out for a run and also i think something that i learned is that this doesn't have to be practiced only on long runs you can practice on a little like 45 minute backyard run you can practice it on a road run like it doesn't have to be long distance trail running for you to be practicing nutrition it's going to be important regardless of what running discipline you're doing so yeah learning a lot in this category
0: Oh my gosh. There's so much to this that I could not like co-sign more. I also think um, just as a kind of a disclaimer, not a disclaimer, but as like a background, a lot of people associate trail running with ultra running and they're not the same thing. Ultra sure. running is like stuff that's longer than a marathon. Typically trail running is like where you're doing it. So I always like to make that distinction because I think saying like associating ultras with trails makes the sport less accessible. Yeah. I think you made a great point in saying that what, if you have this big goal in mind, that might be X, ex- race or x event or adventure you want to do like you don't have to just like full send it into that long distance like it is really important to like build and so while you're building building your gut is huge too and like
1: Mm -hmm. I
0: just overloaded myself a couple weeks ago and I've been making these mistakes for years like I should probably learn from some of this by now and I still was like I did not feel well on that run like I did not eat what I should have my stomach was super upset like Uh you just learn as you go and so I think just starting at every 45 minutes, kind of checking in with your body, like after you run about an hour, like every 45 minutes from there on out, like you should check in with yourself on, have I eaten anything? Have I drank anything? What's my electrolyte at? Like, what are my calories at? How is that kind of how you think about it? Or how do you? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think I'm similar. Yeah. I'll start in, start at an hour. And then for me, I usually do every half hour after that. I'll take a gel. Um and I actually have to have accountability and like sometimes even like consciously remind myself because if I just like yeah. I'm out here like doing my thing, I will totally forget about it and it won't even be intentional. Yeah. Like yeah. I'll just realize that I'm two hours in on a run and like have consumed totally. zero calories and then I'll feel terrible for the rest of the day yeah. and the day after and like probably not doing great things to my ability to recover and adapt from that run i'll have like i'll I'll have a set run that i'm planning to go on and then i'll have i'll think ahead of time about how much i need to to be fueling to kind of support that run and then i'll bring like the number of gels that i need for example if i'm taking gels um on that run and then just like have the accountability that I need to actually get through all of those gels, like that's a yeah. requirement to be able to be allowed to do this kind of running. At least yeah. that's the way that I think about it for myself. Otherwise, I'll just end up injured and I don't want
0: that. <laughs> yeah, totally. I heard something recently, and I'm sure people have said this, but like especially longer stuff, it's like half running, half eating contest. And mm-hmm. I frame it in my yeah. brain, I just say, like, either you eat this or you stop running. Like, there, there is. That's like the equation in my brain. I just have to keep it really simple. Like either you eat the gel or you you do your tailwind. I do tailwind. So I love tailwind. I I know you do scratch. But um, those are some products I like. But either I do that well or I stop running. There's no in between. So Mm -hmm. you were saying like price-wise it can get expensive. How have you navigated that?
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's a hard question. Because honestly, I do think that that is like probably my biggest running expense is the nutrition. Yep. um, And I think that for me, I've just had to like budget and rationalize for this in saying that like, if this is, if running is something that I want to prioritize or like going for these kinds of longer runs is something that I want to prioritize that this just has to be part of it. And like, it's kind of like a required cost for, for the longer runs. But I do think that there are ways around that. Like if you're and it and it kind of takes, like, listening to your body and what it responds well to when you're running. Like, if you realize that, like, you can, like, throw together some trail mix or throw together some, like, carb-heavy foods from your pantry that are, like, right. not as expensive and not specific right. endurance-related foods, um like gels, uh, if that works for you, then that's awesome. And you can kind yeah. of train your gut to be more willing to accept that. And also, like... I think that not all, I mean, fueling is really important. Not all runs need to be fueled with gels. Like it's totally fine to just like eat a good breakfast beforehand, go out for your run and then eat a snack after. Like it's okay. If yeah. if your run isn't super long, then you don't need to be buying super expensive yeah. endurance products, especially for someone who's getting into running and is going to wants to start out with like, 30 minutes out there you don't need to yeah. like be taken in gels necessarily I mean you can if you want to that's awesome but um but it's it as probably long won't as hurt. yeah as long as you're fueling your life well like eating enough in your life at like in general then that will set you up well
0: for success oh, I think that's such a good point Katie I think so I look at it kind of 2 prong. I look at it like stuff while I'm running slash like like borderline like just before I start and just after I start like that frame is very different than how I feel my normal life so I might Mm -hmm. eat stuff on my run that like I would probably not eat or not tend to eat in my normal life like I'll do potato chips I'll do um like uncrustables those sandwiches Mm -hmm. I'll do yeah um and I'll do pickles like and I'll do that all the time but I I don't know, just experimenting with what works with your body on lower stakes runs, I think is such a huge point. And sometimes you do just need to swallow the pill. If that's, if goos are the thing that work for you or gels are the thing that work for you, sometimes you just need to stick with that because it's not all going to work for you. And so either experiment on lower stakes stuff to figure out what works or kind of invest in, look at it as an investment and less so as an expense, I guess, for nutrition.
1: Yeah. And like, there are some, sometimes you can just like buy a bunch of random things from your grocery store and just like see what works. Kind of like the experimentation you were talking about. My yeah. partner ha- buys these like $3 multiple pound bags of gummy bears from our local grocery store and he'll just put them down on runs and they're like actually great fuel. Cause they're like very easily digestible carbs, essentially just like easy for the gut transporters to handle and super cheap. So Yeah, sometimes you'll find some random product that works well for you, and it doesn't have to be, like, the perfect whole food that you would normally eat in your daily life that's, like, balanced in all of its nutritional factors, (laughs) but when you're actively in exercise, what's most important is just getting, like, getting carbs, because that's what's easiest for your body to digest make energy from and i
0: think another big point is um especially when you're running in the summer or like i sweat really my sweat rate is really high compared to most people so i have to be really cognizant of electrolytes so that might manifest in different problems on your run and, and half of running is problem solving i swear to god like stuff hits the fan and you have to figure out what what you need to do to solve it and i think those skills can be applied to life really well but like katie said the carbs like the calories you need to run off of are huge and then electrolytes are huge so just make sure that like Mm -hmm. if you are taking in goose sometimes those won't have electrolytes in them but if you're doing like scratch or tailwind or something that will have like kind of all three sometimes so just be cognizant that you're kind of like filling yourself up with the right things so you can continue to run like don't just i don't know i love to do honey that's like the calorie or like the carb i really love it. it sits super well with my stomach so i'll do honey stinger awesome. is the brand i love so but i could probably just do straight honey and it would be fine but um i have to do like tailwind on top of that to get my electrolytes in so
1: totally yeah and i yeah. i feel like a pretty large difference in how terrible or good i feel after a run um based on whether or not i was cognizant about getting in electrolytes it'll either be like sitting in my bed with a huge headache feeling terrible or like able to go about normal functions So, (laughs) yeah it does it does matter Uh,
0: yeah totally and I do think if so I think the lens of looking at your run a couple days out after like how did you feel like two or three days after your run is also a good insight to look at like if you're feeling really sore or really run down or just like really sluggish like think about maybe how your nutrition played into that so I'm thinking about that now based on my run last weekend like how did that how did my nutrition kind of like maybe affect my recovery so I think that's a great note too that you mentioned like this can help or hurt injury prevention too and I think that's a huge variable in running so I love that point too
1: yeah and we were talking about like feeling sluggish and fatigue from just like maybe training a little too much, but sometimes it is true that like that fatigue might not even be coming from training too much or too hard. It might just purely come from not fueling well enough. And it's kind of hard to untangle the two sometimes. And sometimes they're related to each other for sure. Uh, Um, but, but making nutrition a priority is really important.
0: Yeah. I love it. Do you have any other kind of like running gear that you, you think has really helped your progress in the sport like a hydration pack are you a hand holder water bottle like what do you kind of like like for your packs and stuff
1: yeah I'm a hydration pack gal I yeah. I have a I have a Solomon hydration pack that has been with me for like the last eight years and it's it works well yeah it's it's yeah. awesome it's has holes now but um, <laughs> but yeah it's been a loyal companion and it's nice. just helpful to be able to bring some items that can just like be a safety blanket especially if you're going out yes. for a trail run when you're where you might be a little far farther away from civilization or out of cell range i'll pop in like an extra layer beyond what i think i need um and then i'll I'll bring the nutrition that i need plus i'll bring a little extra in case like yep. i take a wrong turn or the run ends up taking me longer than I think it's going to that way I don't end up in a situation where I'm completely out of um, all nutrition and I'm bonking out there or something like that Um, which is
0: not a fun feeling do you want to explain quick like what the bonk is and how it kind of feels so if people feel that they can recognize what it is totally yeah the bonk um,
1: is basically when you your energy outputs are exceeding your energy intakes to a level that your body is just not really able to continue in the way that it has been. So, um, usually at least for me, it'll present sometimes with like feeling lightheaded, feeling shaky, feeling really low power and sluggish. Um, and it almost feels like a low blood sugar type of feeling. Um, and for me, After I take in some foods, it takes a little while to rebound from that sometimes, which can feel disconcerting. You'll be like, "Okay, I just pounded a bunch of food, and I still feel like trash. Like, why is this?" But then, like thirty minutes later, I'll start to come out of it, and it just takes a while for your body to actually process the nutrients that that you've given it. I think what I've learned is that trying to proactively avoid the bonk is the best way to feel good when you're out there. Um, so just that's where just staying consistently on top of the nutrition. Like you may feel like you can run for several hours without any food. And like, maybe that would be fine up until the point where you hit the bonk and then all of a sudden it goes downhill and it's really hard to crawl your way out of it then.
0: We've talked a little bit about like the, the transporters in your gut that help kind of like metabolize glucose and stuff and we're both science people too. So we don't need to get into it, into it. But when you dig yourself into that calorie deficit or that electrolyte deficit, or you're in a deficit, Not only do you have to get out of the deficit, you also have to provide your body energy to keep moving forward because you are like moving at the time. The best way to prevent it is just be on top of it and think of a system that works for you so you don't get in that hole. It is a hard thing to get out of and you will learn like I don't you learn how your body will react to certain things. You just kind of like work. I... I love, we don't need to get too far down the bunk road, but like, it's a feeling that you don't necessarily want to get yourself into because it can be a safety issue. So just mm-hmm. um, don't put yourself in that scenario if you don't have to. So other safety stuff that you bring with you, I, I sometimes will bring a pen or a way to sterilize yep, water. Yeah. Um, I know there's lids for like running water bottles now that you can buy that will like, it has a filter in it will sterilize. I don't know like the mechanism behind that or like the safety level but I do know they sell those I have running partners that will use them but if you're a little bit uncertain of where you're going plan for something that's longer than what you're actually doing I was in a scenario over the summer where I was running I thought it was gonna be 14 miles end up being like a little bit longer than that and I was really glad I brought stuff with me because Mm -hmm. sometimes even three or four miles longer will make a huge impact that could be an hour if depending on the terrain I really really second that
1: yeah I actually do use one of the little Um, bottle cap screw on filtration devices and that has bailed me out of many, many scenarios where like I probably would have been fine getting by on the amount of water that I had, but then the run went longer than anticipated and
0: yeah i love that i also keep a blister kit the wilderness medicine makes like a little seven dollar blister kit and um i've had to crack that open not only on myself but on other people Mm -hmm. so if you're running with a group like yeah just take into consideration that they may not be the most prepared either and not that you are responsible for them but it can always help to have a little extra and then i always bring anti-chafe stuff just in case something goes awry it's just so nice to have so
1: yeah, yeah, there's nothing worse than getting like second degree burns on your inner thighs. I just don't want it.
0: <laughs> Dude, I had one of the worst chafing scenarios of my entire life, like a couple months ago. And I've been running for like, I don't know, over 10 years. I should know this by now. But I just was like, if all I had brought was my chafe stick, I would have been fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a critical so, okay. item. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Any other gear, Katie, that you I mean, we could get into shoes. I don't think we necessarily have to, but like other gear that you think has been helpful in your journey on trail running.
1: I guess for me, sometimes if I'm going somewhere really remote, I'll bring like a an in-reach little like um uh, a phone that doesn't have doesn't operate off of data it just it's like a what is it GPS phone
0: yeah it hits up garmin satellite i think
1: yeah there we go i don't know why in, i couldn't, couldn't in the least that. technical words possible yeah a <laughs> yeah, sat phone a satellite phone just yeah. as a means of communicating if i end up in a sticky emergency situation and i know specifically my mom really loves it when i do this cuz people in your life can be worried when you're out there for like many hours and they haven't heard from you and you don't have service. And um, I don't even use it for like communicating all as well. I'll just only have it there as a backup for if I ever do end up in an emergency
0: just to have it available. I think that's such a good point. It's a good gift for someone in your life too. It's an investment.
1: So that, yeah, it's definitely something that, probably isn't needed if you're within cell range but if you're out of cell range it could be worth investing in it just from a safety perspective
0: totally and we a different episode we talked about my friend annie and i talked about road tripping she keeps one with her in her car at all times so if you're ever like driving um but yeah just like do some research on where you're running and like trail runner project is a website online you can kind of do some research on and i think this makes a good point just like if you're running with friends or running alone or whatever like do your own research and be comfortable with that just in case, like, I don't know, for some reason you're by yourself and you don't have the info and you're like, oh, if only I looked online, like that's really yeah. helpful. So just be prepared to do your research. And if you need to bring a sat phone or something, it's never a bad idea. I think safety stuff is never a bad idea. So
1: yeah.
0: Love. Um, okay. Let's get in. Do you have any other thoughts on trail reading intro to trail stuff or else we'll get into some fun questions and wrap it up? No, I think I feel good. Okay. Awesome. I think, yeah, we got into some great stuff that I think is so important. And like we said earlier, like trail running doesn't need to be a million miles long. If you get out there on like an urban trail or just find access wherever you can, that is trail running. So you don't need, yeah. there's no definition you need to fulfill. So
1: totally a one mile trail it. run is a trail run.
0: Yeah. Love it. Okay. A um, couple of fun questions. What is something that you're like excited about? It could be career, family, adventure wise, like something that you're really looking forward to.
1: Hmm. I think I'm really excited about this move to the Pacific Northwest that's happen- That's going to be happening in my life. And I'm just excited to explore a totally new place and like yeah. see the trails out there. I think that they're going to be beautiful and very different from what I've experienced before. Um, and hopefully I, I want to try to get into the mountains out there and maybe try to do a-, a race out there. I don't actually have anything on my agenda yet this year, um, but I'm excited to try to add add something add at least one race in just to have some degree of goal to work towards and yeah. also it's just like fun to get out there with the trail community and meet people in that kind of context so that's something
0: i'm really excited about that's so cool i think at such a good point the community of trail runners are some of the most wonderful people i've ever met yeah um and extremely helpful extremely knowledgeable and like just really awesome people so if you are nervous about the sport like taking on smaller objectives and kind of building your community is just so awesome. So I love that. I think that's a great way to meet new people too when you move.
1: Yeah. And sometimes the trail community can look like just like finding one or two people that you are well matched with to go running with. And that can be like a really fun way to add motivation to daily runs. Sometimes for me, I'll have a hard time motivating for solo runs and, yeah, having some community is fun. And also understand that the trail community can be super intimidating from the outside. So totally. just wanting to name that, and I understand why it feels that way for sure. And I think that we have some some change to do as a community to try to make it more accessible to, to everyone.
0: Yeah, Katie, you're totally right. I mean, there's so much work we have to do to make this a more accessible community. Another thing I wanted to ask, fun question, like any piece of gear, any sport, anything that you're really stoked on?
1: Oh, well, um, I've recently been biking on my partner's 1990s uh, specialized hard rock, like fully rigid old mountain bike that... Is honestly just so fun. Like, yeah, it's just it I saw that on <laughs> That is so
0: sick. <laughs> yeah,
1: I think it's it's fun because it kind of reminds me not to take myself too seriously and that like I'm in it for the process, not for the results. Especially because yeah. like this bike is really heavy and like I just really slowly lug it up hills, and that's cool and fun. And yeah. so that's a piece of gear that I'm stoked on. And also proof that you do not need to have the most fancy updated tech to be able to get out here in these sports like i think he got this bike off of facebook marketplace for like a hundred dollars which is a lot of money but like in the bike scope of things isn't too crazy and
0: yeah it still gets me around so (laughs) yeah a hundred is like the a threshold of like you can start riding it like safely i feel like under 100 i'm like eh, i needs some work you know yeah. you never know it might fall <laughs> apart <laughs> mid-ride you might get a great deal who knows but i always feel like a tune-up for the under 100 dollar bike is always more than what i paid for it so i, I yeah. love that for okay sure. this is not necessarily an easy question to answer but biggest thing you think running has given you
1: mm.
0: and it doesn't have to be anything poignant either like it can be super simple so don't don't overthink it i guess is what yeah. i'm going to say
1: yeah I think, honestly, just it has given me the priority of getting myself outside on a daily basis. Like even when I'm not trail running, when I'm just like outside on the streets, it makes me prioritize getting outside even when the weather's kind of crappy, even when I don't really feel like I want to when I first wake up. I'm just like, okay, this is my plan. I'm going to go do it. And nine times out of 10, I feel glad that I did. And um, it's just a way to kind of help boost mental health and um make me feel connected to the things that matter to me in the world especially when life is busy
0: and I wouldn't otherwise really be prioritizing it I love that so well said I always think that the first five minutes are the hardest part of the run just mentally like yeah getting out the door is so hard and so I always say if I'm not having fun 10 minutes in you can go home rarely do I ever pull that plug like half the time I go a lot better 10 minutes in so i think that's such an important thing to say like we've been running for a long time in our life and i think it's still it's still a challenging sport for that reason like it's a hard sport it's okay to acknowledge all these things but just getting out the door can be the hardest part so i love that dude thank you so much for fab conversation like i think we could talk forever and i think this is a great jumping off point for people um good luck with school and i think i'm so stoked thanks dude You've made it to the end congratulations quick thank you to people in our community thanks to tommy for recording this fab music thanks to riley for doing our graphics and design work you can find tommy at the porch flowers on insta you can find riley at rej design thanks so much and have a great rest of your week everyone